Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a good spell uh, on the journey of Voice Wallers Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction went, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day. And, I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. Who wouldn't want to celebrate the Words and Nerds fabulous podcast? Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny V, and today I'm super excited to welcome Shirley Ma for the second time to the podcast. Shirley is a young adult and children's author. She writes fiction, wire novels, Fury and Pre-Loved and children's novels, Little Jiang and A Glass House of Stars, which is the one we're going to talk about today. And I love how Shirley describes herself as having a Western mind and an Eastern heart. And we talked about this in the last episode too. She likes to write in a space in the middle where they both collide, basing her stories on her personal experiences of migration and growing up in Australia. So super excited to talk to you about A Glass House of Stars. Welcome, Shirley. Thanks for having me again, Danny. <laughs> It's so lovely to see you. New book, this time published uh, by Penguin. Uh, last time yes. we talked, it was Fremantle, so new publisher mm-hmm. as well. So that's exciting. Yes. I'm excited. I really am. <laughs> Can you start by giving us an elevator pitch as to what A Glass House of Stars is about? An elevator pitch. Okay. Everyone hates these. <laughs> oh, because I'm good at saying talking about my book in a lot of words, but not so good, like I guess all authors, trying to keep it short and sharp. Look, it can be Sorry. as tall an elevator as you like. Okay, let me give it a go. I'd <laughs> say magic, realism, middle grade, inspired by my own migration story. Wow. And there's so much to unpack there, even with that little there sentence. Is actually, there and is hopefully, so much to unpack. And hopefully interesting and inspiring and not and not boring and like a history lesson. Not at all. Definitely not at all. I didn't get that from the book when I read it. Now, I need to ask you, based on real experiences, but yet with magic in it, tell me how these two things collide. Okay. So my immigration story, the story of how it was like for me and the culture shock and the language barriers when I first arrived in Australia. That story is something that I've been trying to tell for a very long time. But because in parts, some experiences are quite unpleasant, quite racist and quite quite sensitive and maybe hard to digest, especially for young readers, I I wanted something to intersect it at the same time and make it a journey that was gentle and one about learning and understanding what the process of migration to another country is like for another child. So that's when I decided to bring the magic in. And to me, the magic makes a lot of sense because as a child and trying to cope with traumatic situations, I personally reverted into like a world of imagination, reading and writing. And for me, that was a safe space. And I think that sort of space 
is perhaps an ideal one to discuss important and big topics like migration, bullying, racism, bigotry, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. And I hear that a lot with fantasy, you know, setting it in a, mm-hmm. in a fantasy setting so then you can deal with all those issues but without, you know, kids having to really think about, you know, it gets them but not in a way that's, you know, going to sort of harm them. So I really like that idea. Did you enjoy writing that magic? That must have been great for your imagination. Oh, I did love doing the magic because I thought in my mind, what sort of worlds did I invent when I was young and how do I bring them back and how do I make it as as like how I felt when I was a child, you know, lost in my dreams, having that sort of like magical childlike space, like as an adult, how do I bring that back and bring that out of my heart? So I had a lot of fun just teasing out the threads and just letting my imagination just blossom and go wild Mm. was it an experience where because I'm hearing that there are some hard things you wrote about you know like fitting Mm -hmm. in and and not belonging and a racism you experience I'm I'm hearing a lot of hard things but then teaming that up with a lot of magic and imagination so was it kind of an experience where you were going from extremes of emotion from like joy to real difficult things that you were lifting out of yourself and your experiences Yes, definitely. Like there was a lot of bad times that we experienced when we first came to Australia. We were poor. We were living in like a really poor suburb, secondhand clothes, secondhand textbooks, all those things. Mm -hmm. But there was also a lot of joy as well, like learning to read English for the first time and discovering books and literature and also coming into my own as well. And I think when you're at that age and you have all these highs and lows, it really builds like a sense of resilience Mm. in you. And that's, in essence, the sort of story I want to tell and be able to empower other children, perhaps going through similar scenarios or or things that are complementary to the story that I'm trying to tell here. Mm, I love that. And when you were growing up, did you find many books where you found yourself? I found like a lot of books I loved, like I loved as a child, a lot of fantasy, a lot of escapism books. But what I didn't find was books that looked like me, Mm. that represented an Australian Asian like me. And that was difficult. And that's why I think it's so important now for me to think about how I want to represent myself and to actually put characters like myself in my book and to represent the Asian population in Australia. I think Mm. that's really important to give people a voice and to talk about their experiences and how they see the world. I couldn't agree with you more. And I asked that question because that was my experience growing up. You know, I have a Dutch Indonesian background and my mum's Australian and I never found myself in books and I loved books, obviously, and I've always loved books, but you kind of felt invisible. You know, you you felt like you didn't matter as much as the people who were represented in books. That's right. So um, it took me until I was, I think, oh, maybe year four or five when I discovered like the Babysons Club and then Claudia Keisha yes. and I was like, that's the first time I've seen Asians in a book. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, wow, this is amazing. I wish there was more me in books, you know. Mm, and that's a great series. Did you catch the, uh, the, the one on Netflix that they made? I did. I watched, I binged the whole lot and I absolutely adored it and I'm I waiting here it. for like season two, please. <laughs> 
so I use the excuse of my children. I'm like, oh, you guys need to watch this. You know, I'd sit down with my children and watch it. And I saw, honestly, I cried six out of 10 episodes. <laughs> oh, Danny, that's so sweet. <laughs> I didn't quite cry, but I was just so filled with like nostalgia and emotion. <laughs> yes, yes. I just felt they did really well. Like they hit those topics really well, like mm. hard, hard mm. topics, but they had this mm. sweetness about them as well. So they just did a phenomenal job. Yeah, but you know, nostalgia is an important feeling, I think. I think, you know, feeling nostalgia is a very strong emotion. Mm, definitely. And um, I, I tried to, when I write this book, just think of like my childhood, not just the bad things, but also the really good things as well. And like just really in, inject that in and hopefully mm. people get that sort of like that feeling when they read it of something that's old and new and sort of like timeless at the same time yeah absolutely mm. I did when I read it and that's why I was sort of asking you those oh. questions because I feel like you know not the same experience but those similar experiences in childhood where you were kind of I don't know I was secretly looking for myself everywhere <laughs> I was nowhere to be found <laughs> mm, yeah very true and it's very important when you're at that age because you're looking for you are looking for yourself yeah and val- validation it. Definitely trying to find your your place in the world and if you fit and if you don't fit, like questions like that, you ask yourself constantly all the time. Mm, Exactly. Now, I love the description by none other than Jessica Townsend who said your book. Jessica Townsend. Right? Like (laughs) you just retire now. but I just totally on my laurels. (laughs) She described the book as heart-twisting and hopeful, bursting with big feelings and gentle magic. I mean, could you get a better review than that from a better human? No, no, definitely. <laughs> That's just, I, I need to get those words like framed somewhere in my house so I can just stare at them all day and when I'm feeling like, oh, I'm a, such a crap writer, nothing's getting done today, nothing's happening, I just look up at that and it goes, oh, and I can hear the angels singing and I go, look, this show, <laughs> Jessica Townsend reckons you can. I think you need a badge so you can wear it every day. <laughs> oh, definitely. I'll just wear it everywhere. Like a personal endorsement. I'm going to have a look on my LinkedIn everywhere. <laughs> it's a great compliment, though. How do you feel when you get this sort of, you know, these great reviews from these established writers who are obviously very successful themselves? Oh, I just start crying. Like, <laughs> I'm like the Marianne from Babysitter's Club. It's like everything emotional that happens now I just start crying so I except get like when nice you, words except when you watch the babysitters club you were hardcore I, I know what was wrong with me <laughs> he was I going oh my goodness crying in every episode and you're like nah I didn't cry it was good though <laughs> well he was like I felt really like sad but I didn't cry I try not to cry during like tv shows because in my mind I'm like this is just a story. Like what I do. I know. My children were like bagging me out as well. Like, are you crying again, Mom? I'm like, no. Go away, it's just raining on my face. Oh, <laughs> onions in the house. <laughs> now your character, and I don't know, you know, it's based on some experiences that you had, but she is an outsider. Tell me about the development of your character and where fact met fiction. Mm. So um I've, 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 you know, to this day, I still sort of do feel like an outsider. And uh, I guess that the, the thing was when I, I come from Christmas Island and that's where I grew up. And when I was there, I was actually, I felt very free, very relaxed. I was a different girl. Like I was popular. I had a lot of friends and I was quite outgoing and I had a completely different personality. And I think 
the migration process, it changed me. And in hindsight, I wouldn't say in a bad way, it just changed me into a different person who was more introspective and more sort of like insular. And um, I think from that point on, I just felt like an outsider. And I don't think that's ever really changed. But in a way, I think for me as a writer, it's a blessing because I can kind of like stand on the outside and look in and just see things from a different perspective. So for me, I like, um, and that's one of the things I actually purposely wrote in the novel that it's, it's okay to be like an outsider. Mm. Like it, it, it's also like, it's who, it's who you are and that's yeah. how you fit in and you can be an outsider and still be part of the story. Mm, I love that. Now, I was reading something recently about how the world is made for extroverts, you know, and it's like, well, where does that leave everybody mm. else, you know, because it's, 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 it's you should be presenting and you should be doing this and you should be doing that, which I guess mm. makes people who are introverted feel like, well, where do I belong? So it's exactly what you were saying. You, you sort of you change into that introspective person. Very interesting. What was it, do you think? Was it just maturity that changed you? But it sounds like quite a dramatic change. Mm, I think it's just sort of like um, coming to a completely different world and having to adjust and then constantly feeling like I don't quite fit in. And then the years go past and combined with other things that make you feel like you don't fit in anyway that apply to everyone. Yeah, I think both those factors just magnify it. Mm-hmm. And you just end up feeling like some sort of like outsider all the time. But in hindsight, like I don't really, I didn't like, I don't think it's a bad journey that I came, I came along. And um, I don't think there's anything wrong with being an outsider. No. And I think it's an important message to have in books that you can be an outsider and you can just be totally yourself because mm. I guess the world is made for like extroverts but there's a place for introverts and everybody as well absolutely like in the different corners the corners of the world mm. like you know the darker places mm. and like the um the inner places sure, I reckon yeah. everybody in their darkest recesses probably think I don't really fit in that well yeah, you know? yeah <laughs> everybody I, thinks that way who does fit in anyway that's right and and what is fitting in anyway what's so good about that yeah, nothing really. <laughs> it's best to be, I think, your own person and go on your own journey, regardless of what everybody else wants you to do or what you think other people want you to do. And then you'll find your real authentic people, I think. You shouldn't have to apologise for who you are, in essence, if you're, you know, a good person, etc. And so never. I think never. And I like that idea because you will find your people if you're yourself. If you always constantly try to fit in. You may not find those mm. people who are your people, you know. Exactly, and that's important. That's the people you want to find. You don't want to put on, like, a fake exterior because you end up finding people that reflect that, and that's not the people that you want mm. to hang out with. Absolutely, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, now, I, I also was loving the big scary. And oh, the, the big scary. The big scary. <laughs> you need to tell me about this. You know, you, you named this house the big scary and then the glass house. So you've got these significant examples of, of places and of buildings that shape character, a house that shifts and changes over the course of time. I need to hear about all of this. Oh, okay. I'll tell you about big scary. Big scary mm. is actually a uh, sort of um, also biographical something that happened to me later in life. Um, 
when this is when I was the journey I went on when I was pregnant and with a newborn and a toddler like during that time I changed like houses like in a quick succession I went through like was it four or five or six different house moves so it's basically every wow. year so I would go from like a big house to like a bigger house and then suddenly it'd be like oh a smaller house and then an even smaller house I'd end up in. And because I was so like sleep deprived, I had the baby mm. and I had this mummy brain. Like, <laughs> at some points in my reality or unreality, I started to think I wasn't actually shifting houses. I was staying in the same spot and the house was kind of like devolving and evolving around me. Mm. So it was changing, not me. <laughs> so I love that. It was getting bigger and smaller. And um, it was quite disorientating, like especially when you've got no sleep. Yeah. Oh, that that shifts your world. (laughs) I know. But somewhere I I had enough clarity to think to myself, you know what, this would make a really good character one day. I'm just going to put it in my pocket. (laughs) After I get some mistake, I might be able to actually write about it. (laughs) So Big Scary is a, is a, a big real thing. Uh, and I, oh, I came about, and um, but I understand that state you're in, that sleep deprived state when you're trying to keep these, you know, amazing humans alive. It is mm-hmm. so hard, and your brain is has never been the way it is when you're in that fog, and you can't get out of it. It's it's a strange time, isn't it? Ooh, very strange time, and I think my brain still is in that fog. <laughs> I'm like, I'm difficult to comprehending what's happening around me. I think that's but I no longer feel like my house is like shrinking and growing. So oh, good. 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 That is, that's, that's a plus. <laughs> but it's amazing what, you know, sleep deprivation does to you and your brain. <laughs> yep. Uh, so unless you want to try and get a novel out of the end of it, don't, don't do it. <laughs> don't do sleep deprivation. <laughs> <laughs> how very funny and you know the house shifts and changes and I love how that's your your experience as well but then the glass house is a is a really important symbol in the novel as well mm, yeah the glass house which um to me is is more representative of sort of like the little garden I have hidden inside my heart where all good things bloom imagination Ooh. feelings the past the present and where it all comes together something that you keep on the inside of you that's like um very very frail and precious and then you keep it from the outside world but you, you want people to have a little look in and have a little see as well when you're a writer because you want to just open yourself up and let people experience you and then have that sort of like two-way conversation about things my goodness so, that's the glass house inside of me. That was <laughs> just <laughs> really, that was a beautiful description. I did not expect that. That's amazing. I love that. And I think, oh. I think you do. I don't know about everybody else, but I think you're right. Mm-hmm. You do keep that. There's a part of you, I guess, that you do keep to yourself. I think mm. that, that real vulnerability. Isn't that interesting? I love mm. how you described that. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and I always think about that now, the glass house in my heart. Um, yeah, I think everyone has a little garden inside of them, don't they, that they tend to and that they grow and they nurture and they see them grow with it as well, you know, oh. as a person. Your soul, where your soul grows, I think. Oh, I think. 
I'm going to think about this all night now, Shirley. I love that so much. Yeah, plant some tulips. <laughs> oh, they're my favourite flower. Yes, I will. Oh, awesome. Oh, my God, I'm glad. It's the Dutch heritage coming through, you see. Oh, <laughs> now, the story is also about complexities and, you know, we touched on fragility, but the fragility of family. Why was this important mm. for you to explore? Oh, because I think it's family, I think, is the one thing that kind of holds people together or it can sort of like tear your inner being apart mm. depending on what happens to your family. And so it's, it's, it's always a big thing that I want to like have central to my novels, this exploration of like fitting into not only your world but fitting into your family mm. as well and what they mean to you and, and how you get shaped and how you become who you are based on your family because especially with like coming from a Chinese family, like um, I feel like so much of me is shaped by my family. Mm. So I just want to explore the dynamics of like how do you become your own person and how does that relate back to your family? Mm. So family is always like big thing, especially for like Chinese writers, I think. Mm. And I'm, I'm seeing a lot of like books come out exploring that. So I'm really heartened by this. Mm. Oh, mm. I love that idea. And family is interesting too because you write about how they shape you to become your own person. But often mm. your family, you love them with all your heart, but they're so different to who you are too. And then you've got to meld all these dynamics together. Oh, that's um, true. Yes, yeah. that is very true. Yeah. I guess it's sort of like the exploration of how you become your own person away from these people that might be very different to you and how that even comes about. Yeah. Like, is it of the way you were brought up? Is it just who you are? And I just find that really, really fascinating. Mm. And then you've got the environment as well coming at you. Mm. So you've got all these different things who shape who you are, and I find that fascinating as well. We are just um, questioning the world here, Shirley, which is what we love to do on the podcast. Oh, yes. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and the book is written in second person. I know. Like I love that. And there's only a very few books that are written in second person, but I loved it. I mean, I can think of um, Nikki Jamel's The Bride Strip Bear and I can think of The Push by Ashley Audrain that I read recently and now yours in second person. So there aren't many, but when they're done well, I love them. Tell me why you did this and was it excruciatingly hard? Tell me that too. <laughs> it was actually excruciatingly easy oh I love that I know once I found the second voice I just felt like I could write the story because I did try the first voice you know I this I did that and I just couldn't write it it was just too personal I felt like I was just writing journal entries mm. like really emo journal entries <laughs> or what it was like in my childhood <laughs> I just I read it and I went oh, this is just no way is this going to work. I, I didn't think I could do it like that. And then I tried writing it in the third person, inventing like a character outside of myself. And I just found that didn't work either because I felt like I was trying to tell somebody else's story and it mm. wasn't quite close enough for me to sort of think this is my story. Mm. So I chanced upon second voice. I gave it a go. And it, it just felt like it was organic, like I was actually leading another person down my path and showing them my experiences and my what I went through. And it just sort of seemed to be the right 
bounce for some reason. Mm. I like that, so, though, because if it was a very yeah. personal personal experience, you're right, first person mm. might have just felt way too close. Way too close, definitely, and that's what I found and I just was, like, breaking down in tears and thinking, you know, I don't really want to, like, retread my past. I've taken so many steps to try and, like, you know, forget about certain aspects of my past so I didn't want to dredge it up in that way mm. and I know it's important to write about big topics to do with you know migration and being accepted and diversity and own voices but I didn't want to do it in a way that I just couldn't because it was too hard yeah. and it for me personally would be like too traumatic Mm, yeah mm. Well, it's interesting but I like how you put so much of yourself in the book too so I think it's it's interesting how you've managed to separate that you know put the magic in put some fiction in and then put so much of yourself in too I think that's really special well thank you thank you now I've asked you this question before Shirley so I've tweaked it a little bit why do you keep Ooh. instead of why do you write because I've asked you that Ooh, why do you yes why do you keep writing why do I keep writing probably daddy because I can't help myself <laughs> I just love to write. And um, at the moment, I've just submitted in my um, my first structural edit of my follow-up book. And I said to myself, I'm so tired. I've been writing nonstop for a long time now. Do you know what? I should take a break. But as soon as I submitted in that manuscript, I was like, okay, next one. Let's do it. <laughs> like, well, hello, brain. What, what did you just say? Did you just say, let's do it? I'm I'm writing something else I just cannot help myself I just feel like I have so much to say and like not enough time to say it so I Mm. like I better say it now oh look Shirley I've had such a you know it's been such a pleasure to speak to you about your book and then you're sharing your personal experiences of your life and being so candid about you know your childhood and being an outsider I've just had such a a lovely chat and that beautiful metaphor of you know the image of that glass house in your heart I think you've just you know you're going to make me think for the rest of the night about these beautiful images so thank you so much for writing another book and putting another book in the world that represents people that may not have been represented when we were growing up so thank you so much for that and also your uh, your honesty during this interview thank you danny it's been great fun Hopefully I like I come across not as a weirdo. <laughs> come across somewhat as a, you know, very respectable author. Oh, I, why can't you come across as both? I love weird people. No, I'm just gonna come across as a weird man. <laughs> <laughs> Won't get invited to any more like um podcasts. <laughs> You'll always be invited to this one. <laughs> Yay, thank you. Better get that next book out real, real soon. Awesome. And you're talking about finding, you know, your tribe and your people. <laughs> Definitely. That's right. That's why I did the podcast. People were sick of me talking about books. I'm like, well, I'm going to go find my people. So here we are. Awesome. Here I am too. (laughs) Thanks again, Shirley. It's been so wonderful speaking to you. Thank you, Danny. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. We'd love to engage with you on social media. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Danny V Books, Words and Nerds podcast. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay safe and read more books.